Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast, January 2nd edition. I hope you guys had a, had a good new year. Yeah, you too, Todd. It, uh, it was good to kind of recharge the batteries a little bit, give us some family, and then hop right back into this conference season. Yeah, great to be back. And like you said, uh, almost two weeks into the conference season with some of those uh, postponements. But yeah, we're starting to see some things play out, but still a lot yet to be determined. Right. Todd, like, yeah, Todd, yeah. like you were talking before we before we hopped on, you know, it's it started, man. It like the, the, it felt like that first week everybody was kind of feeling each other out. You know, not a lot of close games, but like you said, Todd, it's now there's some teeth to the season and and uh, way more intrigued this week. Yeah, yeah, not not a lot of close games and then the cancellations. So the first week kind of not as exciting as maybe we had hoped. But let's also be honest, college football is winding down, so it's time to start turning our attention to basketball, which we do already. But for the listeners, I think it's it's that right time of year, and we had some great uh, games that that brought us into that time of year. Um, so I'll I'll get us kind of started out, and you guys bring up other things as they come along as well. I think one of the takeaways over the first two weeks is the home teams just continue to dominate, twelve and three on the season. Uh, two of the away wins are from Oral Roberts, who would be, we would maybe consider the best team in the conference. What do you guys think? Do we got a little bit of a trend with this home team thing, or is it just uh, I mean, this is even more than usual? Home, obviously, there's advantage, but this is quite a domination by the home teams. I, I think that it, I think it does lend itself to kind of the the, the balance in the league and, and the unknowns in the league, and at the same time with ORU, with two of those three road wins shows that, you know what, that they are earning that preseason prediction that they've gotten, you know, with their experience, with their talent, uh, to get some quality road wins. Not easy, not easy, by the way, but but hard fought. And uh, and so I think they've separated themselves, especially after their home court domination of South Dakota State, even though Easley and, and Apple are out, and we don't know Apple's status. I think Easley will come back eventually, but um, – just that that domination was really impressive and then when you go back to the second weekend you do see usd and sdsus you know kind of um find a way to, to 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 step up to the challenge but i you know that can the consistent ability to win on the road is what championship caliber teams have and to this point the only team that's really demonstrated that is oru yep Zach, you've been the highest on South Dakota. Did they finally show us something when they got home this week? Yeah, I mean, especially coming off that situation, you know, the week before. I mean, yeah. it was really kind of, um, I, I don't think you'd want to say embarrassing, but you're looking at it, you're just like, whoa, like what, <laughs> what is going on here? I, you know, It was why we try not to get too carried away, even though it's kind of fun to get carried away. You know, <laughs> we, we get carried away all the time. But, you know, I mean, yeah, then, then, then coming right back with uh, winning two at home against a good Western Illinois team and a good St. Thomas team. So, you know, it, it, there's definitely home court advantage. What I'm really looking forward to is seeing kind of how the second nights of the road trip go. You know, I would expect to ha- the home team to have an even bigger uh, advantage that second night, particularly – if the road team gets the first game of that trip, you know, it's the, the old adage is you want to sweep at home and split on the road. And so, you know, I, I'm really curious to see, I mean, obviously Oral Roberts, they went out and handled business that second night on the road. Um, 
and Kansas City did it looks like too. So, I mean, basically just the two South Dakota teams holding serve uh, on home uh, last weekend, and and they needed it in the worst way. I mean, obviously two really uh, subpar showings the week before, bounce back, won two games at home. Okay, now they're back on track. Um, it, but but to your point, Todd, it, South Dakota got their offense going. Um, I think that's just going to be the type of game they are. That's really kind of the only team this year that's really going to be led by their offense. And so um, they're showing what they want to show, especially at this point, despite everything going on. I mean, they just, boy, you, you know, you feel kind of bad for the players on the team. They just need something to go right. And and they, 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 they did it the first week. You know, the first game was just a night that they made a whole bunch of shots, right? Made a whole bunch of shots. Those are going to be sprinkled in there. Um, they're sure helpful when they come along. You never want to get too carried away, but then they settled in and beat a good Western Illinois team the next night. So, or I should say on Saturday. So, um, great weekend for the South Dakota teams. No doubt about it. It's, it was, it was, and, and Todd, I'm going to jump in and then just sure. kind of ask both yours and, and Zach's opinion. You know, when you look at USD going down to Kansas city and kind of getting handled the way they did, I go back to the matchup issue. Now, granted, they did not have Cruz Perilhunt. It was, it was really good, but it was it was not it's not an ideal matchup for USD when they play UMKC because there's some maturity with the perimeters on KC, but their length can overwhelm USD, who does not have a ton of length, and mm-hmm. and who relies on their ability to get clean looks at the basket because of ball movement things like that. It's so funny because if someone said who's one of the worst matchups for USD in the league, I would say Kansas City. So I'm really curious to watch Kansas city when they come into Vermillion later in the season, but kind of just thoughts from both of you guys on, on that matchup aspect of the things that we've talked about when it comes to how do you gain momentum? How do you, things like that? And, and who is your worst nightmare? Kansas city seems like the team that USD would least like to play because of their length, athleticism, their ability to contest and really overwhelm them defensively at times. I'm not sure really anybody likes playing Kansas city at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, seriously, we kind of joked last week about like, hey, is are, are we sure Billy Donlin left? Like, he, yeah, he might at least maybe, be in the locker room still. Maybe yeah. he's up in the rafters or something yeah. like that, you know. But like, like they're really good, and they've yeah. came a long way, and they've really, I, I, I'm just really understanding the value of identifying and defining roles on a team, and once you do that, you can really start to t- take steps forward. Kansas City has that. They clearly understand who they are, what their rotation is, what the best version of themselves is, and and they're just trying to get to that every single night. There's no confusion as to what the rotation is or anything like that. And so um, it can be powerful. It can be powerful. They've made a lot of progress. So really credit to that coaching staffer for, um, I don't want to say cleaning things up, but just clarifying the situation and uh, and just, just in the nick of time too. I mean, going down to Omaha and winning, that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. Really is. Yeah, it and to answer your question, Greg, I, I think that is the any team with length. I mean, that's what I've been concerned about with South Dakota the whole time. Mm-hmm. That I think they can outscore anybody in the league. I just this and I do think beating St. Thomas and Western Illinois, both of which don't have a lot of size, mm-hmm. th- those are better matchups for South Dakota, and obviously getting home as well. And so I I I do think South Dakota is, you know, in the, in the top three, four in the league. I just, I, I still get concerned with their lack of size 
And that's not to take away from a guy like Damani Hayes, who had 11 rebounds yeah. at six foot five or whatever he happens to be. I, you know, there's there's certainly some players that can do some amazing things. I just I just am always going to be concerned with, especially if Tassos gets in foul trouble. Who in the world do you even use right down now. for South Dakota? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's a good thing South Dakota. I mean, they have this team playing this year in the conference. They're like in the in a couple previous years it would have been a bigger problem to have this lack of size. But really, they're going to be able to get away with it uh, against most of these teams. Not every single one of them, but a good amount of these teams, they're going to match up pretty well with. Yeah. Well, and one question I was going to ask you guys before Greg asked his, you know, we've talked about Trenton Massner. We've talked about Zeke Mayo, uh, Max Asmus, obviously. These, these players that can just win a game for you. Is Cruz Peril Hunt in that on that list? Because boy, can he have some amazing offensive games. I, you know, he plays his role extremely well. You know what I mean? He knows how to move without the ball. He knows how to make himself available. He knows, you know, if Mason Archambault and AJ Plitzel White, if if they're doing their thing, they're breaking down the offense. He knows where to get himself to get himself open for a shot. So. I mean, whether you want to call it Cruz Perro Hunt or just sort of those combination of guys, you know, I don't know that Mason Archambault and, and AJ Petzway have necessarily clicked together. But when Cruz Perro Hunt's there and then you have to guard all three, then they become really difficult to, to guard in general. Um, you know, Mason's really kind of settling into a different role this year that I hadn't necessarily seen. And it's actually, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, those three guys together are really the heartbeat of that South Dakota team. And um, to your, to your point, they're, they're a lot different, obviously with them than without them. And it's more than just the box score. It just kind of, he has kind of a lifting effect on everybody. You know, I mean, what team couldn't use a a player that is a knockdown three point shooter and a good defender, you know, three and D I mean, that's everybody's looking for those players. Yeah. To that point, I, I kind of agree. I mean, Cruz Perrell Hunt is not does not bring the dynamic factor that those other players that you mentioned uh, do. Sure. Todd. Um, but is, is he invaluable to his team? I really think he is. I, I'm not going to say that USD wins that game at Kansas City if they have him. But I, I do. I, I love his toughness factor. I love I love what he brings to the team on both ends of the floor. And, and it is uh, you know toughness matters. Um, resiliency matters, and I, I think he brings that factor to this program. I would say AJ's more dynamic. I would say that that uh, uh, Archambault is a little bit better defensively, and I would say that that uh, oh gosh, who's our lefty freshman of the year from UND? For gosh sakes, uh, Bruns. I, I would say that Bruns is a better shooter. But when it comes to combining all aspects of the game, I would say Perro Hunt is 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 absolutely invaluable to USD and their success. That That's what I believe. And so is, does it translate into an MVP type level or a first team all league guy? I don't know, but does it, I do think it does transfer into, he is the guy that helps USD maximize what they're able to achieve this season. Yeah. I mean, I think the way I'd frame it is Todd, those guys that you named their offense creators and uh cruise for hunt is much more, uh, is much better at finishing the possession than actually creating it. Gotcha. Sure. So Zach, we want to go to a team near and dear to your heart, 
the only winless team in league play. Now, granted, they've only played two games, had one canceled the first week and then played their uh, their travel partner, so only played mm-hmm. that game last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, a, but a really rough one for North Dakota mm-hmm. last uh, a couple days ago against North Dakota State. Yeah. What what can get them going? Is it is it because I just as I was watching with a very novice eye, I just said, what is the identity? What what is you know as they go game by game, I could never tell you who might have a good game, who might be in the starting lineup. I think I could give away a free T-shirt if somebody could guess the starting five for North Dakota um, and get it right. But uh, yeah, I, you know, just a really kind of frustrating situation and a really tricky situation i think for the coaching staff up there in that you know all right they have some new guys they're trying to establish them really trying to reward the players that are playing well and and sort of chase production a little bit and um i don't i don't mind that but when it's been going on this long and they still haven't found something that that's clicked it's almost starting to have uh the reverse effect on it where things are so unsettled that players are not a hundred percent sure when they're going to play. And then it's hard to get confident and it's hard to get in a rhythm, you know? So that that's the trade-off. Um, and I think we're, we're sort of reaching the end of some of these experiments that we've been seeing with the lineup lineups. Um, I, I, they're going to continue to try to cut it down. I think they're going to kind of get back to what they did against like Cal State Fullerton and Utah Tech. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, you got to be honest that that game against NDSU, it was, it was, it was eye opening uh, in a bad way. Um, I've never seen it, the, the game plan. It was, it, you know, leaving, Leaving Sotene on an island with Grant Nelson is just I I don't see how that's ever going to end up well. Um, it, you know I, I a lot of just really unique lineups out there, and so like I said, I think they're going to try to go back the other direction, try to just get some continuity, even if it means forcing it a little bit. <clears throat> so, I mean, it, it was it was a rough. You're right. I mean, it, it was it was it was I've never seen. Um, them respond in the way that they responded. You know what I mean? They've always had a really good fight and really and played really hard. And, and, and uh, when they've won, it's been because they're out rebounding and just playing really hard and things like that. They're probably not going to out with talent a lot of people, but they really kind of, you know, NDSU kind of punched them in the face and they were just kind of on their heels. And that, that was it. Um, you know, I, so I, I'm just, I'm very, very curious about how they're going to come out this next weekend. Um, because it's they really have to find traction with something and build in some type of direction uh, soon, really, really soon, because the rest of the conference has taken off and they're sort of getting left behind right now. So as one of the few teams I don't haven't really found a whole lot of answers yet. So um, but on the other side, you know, you have NDSU and honestly, of course, I'm biased. I'd love to see them get back to that post play. I mean, when you got a bunch of young guards, I, I just I I would play through Grant Nelson until somebody makes you do something else. And then Andrew Morgan getting back on track is just as important, quite frankly. Um, I like what Jakari White's doing. I like having a player with his mindset on the floor with those posts. I think that's a good combination. Uh, I think their point guard is doing a good job. 
you know, it's not really going to show up in the box score, but I mean, he's being told probably to keep things simple, get the ball where it needs to be, take care of it. His turnovers are way down and um, he's doing a much better job. So, you know, I mean, their, their, their timeline and their horizon has always been uh, longer than everyone else's because they're so young. But um, I, I think they have to feel much better after seeing a, a performance like that. Now, you know, we've seen Grant Nelson have big games and then follow it up with games where he gets seven shots. Right. So um, we'll see. I don't think anybody's getting too carried away about the NDSU side of things. But for, for UND, it's like we need to we need to see a good performance right now. And, you know, I, I've thought about UND and, and uh, I think UND had some solid performances in the, in the non-conference. And I think they showed some definite improvement from last season. And, but the thing that the three of us always discussed is, can you do it, you know, going 11 or 12 deep? And I, 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 I'm guessing, and, and I am not, talked with Paul Sather. I'm just I'm just guessing. And I'm also lamenting as a former coach going, if I had this lineup, right now I do think you have to sit down and go, all right, guys, you know, and you talk to your fellow staff members and go, listen, we need to look at the 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 upside and the downside of, of numbers eight, nine, ten, and eleven. And who do we need to keep in the top eight or nine? Who do we need to say we need to limit their minutes? And and those are difficult conversations to have. And especially because you're going to have some assistants that were a big part of recruiting each individual that have some personal investment and saying, no, give this guy a chance, give this. And this is the biggest, probably one of the biggest challenges for Paul Sather right now is to say, listen, you know, who, whose positives outweigh their negatives and, um, and who can we have some consistency with? Because we need to come up with a lineup that where, and I want to say this the right way. When you, when you go 10 or 11 deep, sometimes when you put certain guys in, they go, I've got to go prove that I deserve to be on the floor. And they might try to step outside of what their strengths are. And, and I'm not trying to overcomplicate this, but I, I do think it's one of those things right now where if you're Paul Sather, you probably need to find a group of guys where you're going, this is who I'm going with right now, and this is why I'm going with you guys, is because this is what you bring to the floor. Uh, but I don't want it to be an overreaction to one game. Yeah. But in in a rivalry game on your home floor to get dominated the way you did, it's going to be a big challenge for Paul Sather to not overreact to it. And I would challenge him because the guy's got way too much success in his history, in in his in his coaching career, to say I have to I have to overreact to one game. But with that being said, I think there's this balance of saying, I know what we need to do to be successful. His biggest challenge right now is to say, who are the eight or nine guys that can be, give me the best chance to be successful with my philosophy? And that might include some guys having some, some li- minutes severely limited, but that's the way coaching goes. And, and that's the way it is. And then in this day and age of the portal, you've got to live with the results of those decisions, you know? Um, but uh, it, it is the way it is, but I, I, I still believe a UND, in my opinion, is a better, more talented team than they were last year. And this is a league that is not as good as it was last year. They can't, they can't completely overreact and they can't just, just panic because of one tough game on their home floor against their arch rival. 
I mean, is are is are the, is the play of some of these players inconsistent because the rotation is consistent, or is the rotation inconsistent because the players are playing inconsistent? You know, it 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 started out the former, but is it turning into the latter? You know, um, it, it it could be. You just got to kind of commit to, to go right. All right, and you guys are in, you guys are out. Exactly. Yeah, they they've done this dance for a while, and it's just like okay, yep. some things we know about this team. They're they're not going to be good if Jalen Trent isn't very good. I think knowing the the players that they're going to play against, like he has to be good, and whether he's earned it or not, he has to probably play a lot because that's the only way he's going to get to the level that they need him to get at, and he's the only point guard on the roster that can get to that level. So and it's like okay, but to your point, Zach, Jalen Trent needs to know. What makes him good? And I'm not trying to oversimplify yeah. that or, yeah. or be or be critical. He mm-hmm. needs to know what are the two or three things he does well that makes yeah. him really invaluable to UND. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it, it, it may not be fair to everybody, but guess what? I mean, life's not fair, you know? So it's like they, they, they're going to have to, I, I certainly have some rotations in mind as how to get down to eight, uh, maybe nine. Um, and, and, but we'll see, you know, there's, there's yeah. always more to the story in pretty much yeah. all these teams situations. And, um, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, this is division one basketball, man, you're on scholarship, you're getting free education. Like it's, you got it. You got to bring it. Like the, the, the right. coaches can, it's not like in football where you can call specific plays. It's just like players need to play basketball and produce period. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, we could talk about that one for a long time, but, you know, best thing is for them, they have two good teams coming to town, and they can write the ship against them. All of a sudden, it start, it's much easier to write off this NDSU game as, well, that was, I don't know what that was, too many Christmas cookies in their system, whatever. Um, but that's that's the beautiful thing about basketball. That's that's what always drew me to basketball and away from football is because there's so <laughs> many games, right? Yeah, you, know, you don't have I, to I sit- Sit for a week. Yeah, exactly. I I want to I want to be playing games, man. I don't want to be sitting in meetings all week and all this stuff. Like, so, hey, if they want to fix it, if it's important enough to fix it, then they will. But it's on what direction are they going to focus their energy? Pull apart or pull together? Agree. Well, and Zach, you or sorry, Greg, it was you that made the point about overreaction, and that's way more likely at this point in the year than later. I, I can tell you, and I can't remember what we said about it last week, but after Oral Roberts beat uh, South Dakota State by 39 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. we were all thinking, oh, boy, this South Dakota State team might be way below what the teams were before. And then if they go and win two at home and we're, you know, they're second in the power rankings easily. And we had times earlier this season, I think we're three for three in saying that there's more talent on this North Dakota team than there was last year. Yeah. And so I, I, we don't want to get overreact too too much. If they had had that game against uh, whether it would, I think it would have been Western Illinois and win and won that on the road when they got canceled, it, you know, we'd probably be singing a little bit of a different tune. So it's still early yeah. in the year, uh, but that yeah. was that was a rough game. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of difference between UND and, and South Dakota State, but like one right. of the biggest ones is South Dakota State understands what the best version of themselves is going to be 
and they have the roles defined and all that stuff. And so it's just about how well can they do that? And unity isn't that point yet. Like they're still trying to figure that out. And that's why it's it's so important to have roles clearly defined because then you can get better at those roles. You're not even sure what you're trying to work towards if you're UND necessarily. You know what I mean? I think that's where some of the kind of the confusion is coming in with the players and, you know, what was a good idea has kind of turned into like a rat's nest a little bit in terms of chasing production. So, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see this week. Well, and I want to go back to Kansas city, even though we talked about them a little bit already, a uh, couple of just a kind of news item. We're probably still a few weeks away from Anderson cop coming back and the team is two and one in conference play and has looked pretty good. I wanted to hit a little bit on Raekwondus Mitchell and Shamari Allen. Both of them at five points a game or a little bit below last season. Shamari stays in Kansas City with a coaching change. Both of them, I think, are over 17 points a game this year. Uh, what a cool story. And you just don't uh, – maybe, Greg, you could even give from a coach's perspective. Like, do you think they saw something in Raekwondus Mitchell that they knew they could get more than what other teams have gotten – or is it just a fit with the offense? Or it, there's such a fascinating story. Shamari Allen as well. I mean, he started maybe 10 games last year, but was definitely a bit player. And now, I mean, he he almost willed them to victory against Denver in Denver. Well, you look at Coach Menzies' approach, and, and the guy is as experienced as any coach in the league, more experienced than any coach in the league. Yeah. He's seen what works. He's seen what doesn't work. and And it's a trust level. It's a trust level when you go, you know what? I think we can get this out of this guy. I think this guy will buy into what our approach is going to be. And we have talked, and I'm sorry, you guys, to drag you guys into this. Um, (laughs) We've all talked about this. To have experienced perimeter players is invaluable. Because their ability to make young or inexperienced bigs look good is, is, is second to none. And if you don't have experienced perimeter players, you're going to struggle. So the fact that they, along with ORU and along with USD, have a ton of experience in the backcourt, as does SDSU, it's it's not a it's not a coincidence that we're talking about the success, their success early on. And so, what does Coach Menzies and his staff do? They surround them with length and athleticism and and explosiveness, and says, "Hey, you guys go out and do what you do on the defensive end. On the offensive end, we're going to put the ball in the hands of our experienced players. You guys make plays." You guys make decisions. You guys make your teammates better. And that's what you can do when you have trust in your experienced perimeter players. And so credit credit Kansas City for what they've done early on. And and the fact that, as, as Zach is attested to, you know, is Billy Donovan already gone? The way they defend, the way they mug you. The, I, I, and I, I don't say that in a bad way. The way they make you feel like you're playing in a phone booth which everybody below 30 years old has no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, but the way you make, they make you feel just absolutely, um, you know, in, in, in a tough situation on the offensive end, credit to them. And they're maximizing their talent. They're looking at their, their players abilities and saying, how do we maximize them? And things are fitting in place for them right now. And so credit to Kansas city and their start. Let's let, let's keep in mind. They're two and one. There's a lot of conference games to play, but their start is impressive. Yeah. I, I think this is really where coaching experience shines, right? 
I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you ask Coach Menzi, he, he, he his philosophy would be something about along the lines of get talented players and keep them doing what they do best. Right? There's no player that does everything well on this level. Right? But if you focus on what your players do well and then keep them doing that to the best of their ability and then surround them with good players, good things can happen. This can happen. I, you know, it's not like Shamari Allen and Raquandis Mitchell. They went to some secret shooting camp this summer or anything like that. Right, right. I think I think it, they're 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 good players. They're good players, but they're getting put in a, just a tremendous situation, and they're all in on playing this way, and they have the roles clearly defined, and it's working, and they're getting better and better at it every single week because they're just they they know which direction they're going, and they're just getting better at going in that direction, and so um, it. Uh, it's beautiful how the way that they brought it all together, the way these roles are defined. I mean, they're, you know, they are who they are. And and that's normally that's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but um, again, that's more than a lot of teams can say in this conference and, uh, and it's showing up, you know, they're, they're going toe to toe with Oral Roberts. They're, they're knocking off Omaha at home. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the, the, you know, the, the way things were voted in the preseason was largely based on we had no idea what to make of this Kansas City team. It wasn't like we didn't think they were going to be good. It's just we had no idea. But None. Um, no, I mean, it just it, it's a it's a really a great success story. I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous job. Yeah. Well, and, and even the players we knew a little bit about, Raekwondis Mitchell, eight points a game. Shamari Allen, four points, four or five points a game. You know, we could only go off of. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why Greg shouldn't feel too bad when people get all mad about his predictions going into the year. It, it, you know who? I'm not sure even Shamari Allen and, and Raquandis Mitchell would have said they're both going to average 17 points a game. And so mm-hmm. you just don't know what you're going to get. But that's what makes it so fun as well. It is. Yep. And, and, and to be honest with you, I, I I am totally fine taking these bullets because I think there was a part of me that goes. Yep, I have no problem. I'm going to throw this out there because if they actually want to say they knew more about this than we did, good for them. Then I, right. then I give them a ton of credit. I just love still watching it play out. And if somebody wants to rip me at the end of the season, I totally welcome it. And I'm going to go, I love the fact that your team proved me wrong. I love that. And I and I hope a ton of teams prove me wrong because I, I just enjoy watching this happen. And I enjoy you know, in, in in three or four weeks, the conversation that three of us have is going to be is going to be incredible because we're going to go. How did this team go on a on a five game win streak? How did this team, you yeah. know, struggle? I I can't wait for it, and 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 that's why I love it, and that's why I'll probably never make any predictions again. But I I, <laughs> I totally embrace what's happening right now. Yeah, well, I'll I'll say this. Nobody that is criticizing any picks or predictions or anything like that also made their own. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Nobody's saying, oh, why, why didn't you guys do this? I could do this. No, <laughs> no, nobody's. No. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's all from the peanut gallery, which is, which is fun. Like I have fun it with is. it. You know what I mean? It really like is that, 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 that first week we, I have somebody asked for picks against the spread and I went one in three and <laughs> bankrupted right. everybody. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I'd love, you know, I'm not trying to like it sound the wrong way, but like I've good luck trying to do this better. But what that, if we could, 
this wouldn't be any fun. We wouldn't have this podcast I, if you could predict this stuff good. That's what makes us fun. Right. Who cares? I agree. And, and I love the fact that if the, if the one thing that we do between the three of us is increase interest in this league, it's well worth it because this yeah. league deserves a ton of interest. Yeah, it's all about. Yep. So, gentlemen, I want to go back to the to the team on top of the standings, and I, I'm going to change it up a little bit from what I sent out to you. As, as we we're going through, we could talk about how great Max Asmus is and how great on the defensive end and, and even actually shooting and a lot of things Connor Vanover is and all things we've talked about many times, which we can go into some of those. Defensively, on paper, I mean, they have a little di- – I mean, th- this Patrick Mwamba, it – I I love what he brings, and this and the same thing with with Connor Vanover. Um, you know, last year's South Dakota State team, they were not big. They were they were not big. Um, they're just pretty much historically offensively efficient and and good good defensively. Don't get me wrong, but they don't necessarily have the same physical profile as this team. They don't have. You know, South Dakota State didn't have guys that had won games in the NCAA tournament, and this Oral Roberts team does. So, dangerous-wise, I mean, you know, hey, Oral Roberts went out and made 16 threes, you know, last weekend in one game. And so, I think the ability to do that uh, means something. I would, I'd say they're slightly more dangerous than South Dakota State was. Uh, you know what? I think that's an accurate observation. And the reason I say that is I go back to ORU's Sweet 16 run. And it was funny because you go, and I actually, whatever, I jumped on an ESPN radio broadcast in Hawaii, for God's sakes, of all locations, <laughs> where they were talking about, well, can ORU keep doing this? I said, you know what? The reason I think they can is is because they're playing substantially higher seeds that will say, no. We are not going to double team a guy from a mid-major league. We're not going to double team a Max Asmus. We're not going to double team a Kevin O'Banner because we're a high major team. I, I, and I and I meant that. And I believe that. And I think that was the demise of those teams as to what allowed them to get to the Sweet 16 and literally one Max Asmus three-point basket away from getting to the Elite Eight. Yeah. It's I I I think they are talented and I think they are capable. And I and I think they are more suited defensively to defend against um, you know some, some higher level teams because of Vanover's length and because of their depth. And uh, and and Zach's been on this from the beginning. Vanover's impact. I I wasn't sold on it until I observed it. He's he's pretty good on both ends of the floor as far as what he's capable of doing. And so, no, I, I do think they're a very capable team. And I'm not going to say they're better than SDSU last year, but they certainly bring a, a, a roster that has every bit as much concern to any other team as SDSU did last year. Yeah, I think this conversation is just slightly different than they're going to do it. You know, what we're saying here is, yeah, I mean, they check all of I mean, they, they could. Yeah. They could defend a couple different ways. They could score a couple different. Ways. I mean, they're they're they don't have a a huge issue against a team that they're going to run up in the NCAA tournament and just be outmanned. Right, right. 
Well, and and Greg, I kind of agree with you on the fact that I, it's why I didn't phrase a, the question that may have gotten cut off. I think the winter storm that isn't here yet did something to, <laughs> to my internet. So it'll be slicing this together will be interesting because I'm not sure where we started recording again and things like that as I got knocked off. But the question was, are they more dangerous in the tournament? And and I, they will not go undefeated in conference play. I'll put money on that if anybody wants to do that. Um, but that they're and I do love the additions of Mwamba and Vanover to yeah. to help with some of the things they lost with the loss of Kevin O'Banner. Um, that makes them far more dangerous than, than last year anyways. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up with, well, actually I'll go to something a little bit different. We've got Denver, Western Illinois, uh, Omaha, and North Dakota State all nodded at one and two in conference play. Of those four teams, and, and I'll be honest, my my one that I have I always get probably overexcited at least this year when they when they look competent is North Dakota State just from history. But which one of those four has the most potential to do something far better than where they've started? And who do you see kind of falling back out of those four? Boy, that's tough, Todd. I, I will say that because um, as much as as much as I will tell UND fans not to get down in the dumps about their performance at home against NDSU, I will tell NDSU fans, don't get over-exuberant about right. what you saw. And But at the same time, and Zach, I know he will attest to this, or I believe he will, um, to, to watch Andrew Morgan and Grant Nelson play the way they did, that's an amazingly positive sign for NDSU. Yeah. And, if, and, and, and if they can get their perimeters to limit their turnovers, and I think they really did against UND, and find a way to get shots up every time down the floor, especially if it's through the hands of a Nelson or a Morgan, even if it's a kickout, those, those are quality possessions. Um, I, I, I still think Denver, where are we at on Tevin Smith? You guys have anything on Tevin Smith? He's he's back. He just doesn't. He's his minutes have been limited, so I'm sure he's still feeling yeah. the effects. Yeah, still off the bench. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, when you think about if he gets back to a 90 to 100 percent, how much can he impact DU? Uh, Western yeah. Illinois, their only concern with me is their lack of depth. Uh, Masner, we all know, is a Player of the Year candidate. He can do amazing things, and uh, the transfer from Winona is a great shooter. And they're not a huge team, but they've got some inside, you know, potential. Omaha, I think, Omaha has surprised me early on. I think their performance early on in the conference shows me that they've got some potential to finish higher than a lot of people thought. NDSU, they will be as good as their perimeter allows them to be. And if their perimeter continues to toughen up, they are a ton of freshmen uh, in addition to transfer you know, the senior transfer, but they've got, and, and, and as well as uh, the kid out of Jamestown. They, Skunberg. Yeah. Yes, Skunberg, thank you. They're, they still will rely so much on freshmen. If they can grow up in a hurry, they'll get better in a hurry. So who do I see falling back? I don't know. I guess out of those four, you know what? I might as well continue to tick off the Western Illinois fans and just say, <laughs> if there was anybody that I would say out of those four might fall back, it, it might be Western Illinois. I think uh, NDSU both has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. I mean, 
you think back to that game against UND, and not that, again, we don't want to make too much out of this. Um, obviously, love the way Andrew Morgan and Grant Nelson played, both right around 15, 16 points and, and 10 rebounds, eight, eight, nine rebounds. Um, I believe they only played like, like 21, 22, 23 minutes. They did not play much at all. I know Grant Nelson was in foul trouble a lot. So, I mean, you just look at like, can they get to a point where both of those guys are locked in for 30 minutes a game? Yeah. It, totally different. Um, I don't know that they, I don't know if the guards made like a ton of plays. And so I think, he, I, I think they could play a lot better than they even played at UND. I think they could play a lot better. Um, now we've seen the reverse happen. And if the posts don't get going, then what? And they've, kind of been looking at each other a couple times in some of these games. And so that's possible too. Um, I think, you know, uh, Western Illinois probably has the, the higher floor, but probably the lower ceiling too. Cause I mean, you know, teams are doing a better job on Masner. Um, yeah. Certainly not going to shut them down or anything like that, but I think the game plan is out there as to how to defend them a little clearer than some of these other teams. Um, they don't have a lot of size, you know, rebounding is always going to be, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a problem, but you know, I mean, they're, they're, they, they have some identity, but I, you know, you just wonder if that, that lineup kind of lacks a little pop outside of that. Um, Omaha's good. I mean, Omaha had Oral Roberts. I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch that game. I think I had to stream it. Um, they had Oral Roberts. They had them. I mean, Oral Roberts, Knocked down 16 threes, shot a ridiculous percentage, and made Max Aismas made a whole bunch of free throws at the end. And if you would have missed any one of those, they would have been in trouble. And so Omaha already had almost a, a victory over Oral Roberts. I mean, probably the best, certainly the best look that Oral Roberts has gotten in this young year. But I mean, oh, you know, but but at the same time, then they turn around and lose the next game. So, um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not sure about Omaha, but you like, the ceiling on Omaha, I guess. I, I think they're they're really sharing the ball on offense. I think that's a great idea. Um, it's a great version of themselves or, or how to get everybody involved and be a little bit more difficult to guard. So um, I don't know. Did that answer anything at all, Todd? Or was that just you, a whole you, bunch you know of what? like... <laughs> you know the reason it's hard to answer? Because it's why it's been hard to answer all season. If once you get past probably... Oral Roberts, South Dakota State, and South Dakota. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of similar positives and sim- similar negatives for teams. And, yeah. and guys, to be honest with you, this is why I think this weekend is huge. And I mean mm-hmm. that because UND and NDSU are hosting SDSU and USD. Uh, I yep. think those four games tell us a lot about how this conference season might play out i, I really mm-hmm. do i think those four games are really big this weekend yeah i mean if those south dakota teams come up to north dakota and handle their business and yeah. you know when, when those games handle it then it's like okay there really is a couple different tiers here yeah. you know um yeah. whereas you know ndsu and und they if they if they're able to pick off a game or two then it's just like well this really is going to be like this all year isn't it i mean it's really just going to be is the matchup good or bad yeah, to get the standings? I, I really, I really think it's a big weekend for, for those four schools in particular, just to kind of 
set a direction? Does it define what they're going to be? No, but does it give you an idea of what their direction is currently? A, a side scheduling thing, and I know this has probably had something to do with hockey or something like that, but I really liked the uh, travel partner game being on Friday. Yeah, not a bad idea. You know, set, and then and you have set the, aside you have a game. The game on Saturday. You know, at least, at least that sort of helps curb the issues with mirror scheduling. Right. Well, and just the travel partners tend to be closest to each other. So you've got mm-hmm. the North Dakota schools and the South Dakota schools as probably the biggest rivals out of that. But you could see where things could develop for other teams as well. And just mm-hmm. setting that game aside is kind of a cool little way I, to do it. I, I think it is too, Todd. And, and I'll address this from a different perspective. Selfishly, I wanted to go home and do the NDSU-SDSU game this Thursday. I can't justify traveling 400 miles in one night, <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to do it. But I'm ecstatic about the fact I get to do the UND-NDSU game on a Friday night, and, I can, and I'm able to do that. So, no, I kind of like that too. And, and I like the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, depending on what the, the crowd aspect is or, or the people outside of the viewing area that can tune in on ESPN Plus and things along those lines, it's kind of neat to have uh, summer league games going on not only Thursday night and Saturday night, but also Friday night. I kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It, it allows us to get one more game on Midco, you know, um, which is important. You know, this would be even better if we had some type of unified coverage and uh, we're able to see all the games. But um, I don't see any downside to this. Yeah, yeah one, I agree. One other scheduling thing is we, as we go back to Oral Roberts, uh, they are going to New Mexico, who at least recent, as of recently hadn't even lost a game, and maybe they have since. No, uh, but they're, they're the only team in the country tonight, Todd, that is undefeated at the NCAA Division One level. Purdue got knocked off. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I think both New Mexico and Oral Roberts had a game canceled. But I would almost even go – a step farther and say, would you ever be able to leave a spot open? And, you know, like what an opportunity is you get to know where your team is at, where you're Oral Roberts and you're in a net in the fifties or whatever it is. And you're um, New Mexico with a net much higher than you thought it was going to be probably in under 20 since they haven't lost that they get, to, they schedule each other. They find a game that they can get on the schedule like I, I just love that little bit of flexibility that uh, that cancellations happen to provide, but I don't know if I'm if if I'm scheduling for a team, I I maybe leave a spot open in case we can get something set up. I mean, I just I just give a lot of credit to both these athletic departments for just saying, hey, let's just play, man, let's yeah. just play. You know, it helps when you have a good team. You know, if this was anybody else other than Oral Roberts, they'd probably say, well. Yeah, how bad true, do we need that true. check? What does the budget look like? How bad do we, you know? Um, but you know, credit to these these schools for just playing, man. Just just playing it out. Don't not overthinking it. You know, everybody's won and lost games before, but just play it out and, and give the kids the opportunity. And and uh, you know, both these teams are thinking like the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, I I think they're seeing this as a preview and, and good for them for not wanting to duck it. I it would have been easy to do so. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. Hey, if there's a way that, I mean, if New Mexico, by scheduling them, ups their net ranking, good for them. They yeah. improve their seed in the tournament. 
And ORU, as you mentioned, both you guys, you know, by playing that, they may move themselves from a 13 to a 12 if they're able to win the conference tournament. And that's a huge, that's a huge step in the NCAA tournament thing. So uh, none of them, none of them kept games open intentionally. It was all weather related, but at the same time, it also, it also kind of contributes to the fact that if you're a head coach going, talking to your scheduling person going, hang tight, hang tight here. If there's one game that maybe we can pick up, let's see what we can do later on. And by the way, if they play 26 and 27 instead of 27, does it really hurt their, their resume? Not necessarily, but if they keep that game open, can they improve it by picking something up that they didn't expect to, to play? This is a great example of that, that both uh, ORU and New Mexico have shown. And so good yeah. for both of them, to be honest with you. I, I think at this point, Oral Roberts probably isn't accomplishing much in practice. I mean, they've had a bunch of guys that have played a lot of basketball. And, you know, my guess is their practice is a little bit more maintenance rather than actually trying to figure things out. So, I mean, anyone else, and they're probably not wanting to give up some practice, but I'm sure those guys are just like, I, last thing I want to do is be in another practice thing, man. I got, you know, a lot of guys with one year of eligibility left. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think I said this on Twitter. We've talked a little bit about it here, but as a fan, the way Oral Roberts scheduled is a bit of a yawner, but Coach Mills talked about it. Like, they 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 do know how to schedule to help their net ranking. And it, yeah, it's, if they have a really good conference season, they could be a decent seed for a Summit League team by the way they scheduled. They really could don't be. Blame them. And they really could be. And, and that, that to me is the biggest um, dichotomy of all this. To go, how do you schedule to please your home fans, and at the same time schedule in a manner that gives you the best chance to give the best NCAA seed? Guess what? They are they are not mutually exclusive. They are no, they're not. They're they're closely intertwined, and your home fans are going to be disappointed. But your potential to be seated at the best you know level you can be is certainly um, improved, and so those are those are difficult things to address if you're a coach at one of these programs. So yeah, I agree with both you guys. I mean, how, how many times do you think mid-major schools have put their schedule together to try to get the best seed the NCAA tournament? Like never. I think like, so. it does. It, like, I agree. It, yeah. It, it just, it's just it's that unique of a situation with this team and Max A. Smith and where they're at in the conference and how the conference looks and all that stuff that, you know, yeah, you get the feeling that they kind of looked at the situation like, yeah, you know, we, we're going to have to screw this up if we don't go. So if we're going to go, let's just try to make it worth it this time and figure out, you know, what we learned last time and, and give us our best chance to win a game or two. Yeah. But I, but I think it also is, and I need, we need to get off this. I know we do, but it's also the new commissioner saying, you know, we need to find a way to become a multi-bid league. And I think that the pressure has been put on by the women's side and to say, they've done it. They found a way they've gone out and played the teams. They've done this. And I think the pressure is there to say, you need to choose one Avenue or the other. You need either to please your fans or you need to say, how do we, how do we become a multi-bid league? And, and that's, that's a, that's a difficult road to diverge. 
because you don't want to disappoint your fans, but at the same time, you got to do what's best for your program. I think it's I think it's difficult, but it's necessary right now, especially on the men's side of the summer league. Yeah. Yep. And one team we have not talked about yet is St. Thomas. So they they won two at home, and then they went on the road against the South Dakota teams and lost two. Do you guys think they're kind of in that Denver, Western Illinois, Omaha, North Dakota State group, or are they a little bit above that, more close to the South Dakota, South Dakota State group? I I think they're in that Western Illinois group, um, Omaha group, just because, you know, that's – we talked about it. The the UND and NDSU game, they're particularly – I should say St. Thomas is a bad matchup for them, you know. The, we saw with the South Dakota and South Dakota State when they have teams that have sort of the the backcourt and whatnot as St. Thomas that, you know, there's a roadmap out there for how you can guard them. You know, a lot of it is just having the right players and being disciplined enough. Um, you know, I think Western Illinois' backcourt is going to be kind of like that. You know, um, it, probably some of these other teams as well, you, you know, We've seen St. Thomas, you know, Parker Bjorkland have some big games, but at the same time, like, I got to believe that there's just going to be a couple of games where they just get hammered on the boards, even though we haven't seen it as much. But, um, I mean, the the job by South Dakota State and South Dakota, do, what they do defensively, particularly against, like, Riley Miller, I, I think was really impressive. I think yeah. Matt Mims, let me ask you guys to ask this question. Who's the better perimeter defender, Matt Mims or Mason Archambault? That's a real – if we want to throw a poll out there, that could get a little spicy. Um, you could really make a good case for either guy. Well, I will say this. You watched Mims this past weekend on uh, St. Thomas and Western Illinois. He's tasked with Masner and Miller. Mm-hmm. Not many guys have done a better job on a Thursday, Saturday, uh, back-to-back than Mims did on Masner and Miller. I, Mims, that, that was his challenge. That was what he was charged to do. Did it as well as anybody I've seen in a long time. Well, and Greg, I would say I, maybe nobody else has done it better except maybe Mason Archambault. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, and Mason held Masner to seven points, I believe. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, not that you just want to be looking at the box score, because obviously, as, as we all know, like, defense can largely be the sum of the parts, you know. But at the same time, man, I just – that was my takeaway from last weekend. Those two guys straight up get it done on the perimeter. <coughs> and uh, not, not only are they good, like, skill-wise, but, I mean, they stick to their game plan and don't deviate and – you know, just it's it's just really really impressive. Those guys really suck out to me this weekend. Well, and Zach, you asked about if we were to put a poll out there. I just put a poll out there. There we go. So, so there we go. <laughs> nope. Yeah. But I do love that. And and, and Todd, you made a, a good point. I love what Archimbo does. I, I love the fact that he can contribute on both ends of the floor. And the same thing with Mims. Um, but those guys, I I think they knew what mattered and. And I would guess that um, both Masner and Miller got home this weekend going, I hope I'd never see those guys again, and they're going <laughs> to have to. But uh, no, but both great, great uh, on-ball defenders and, and do a great job off the ball as well. 
Well, and and it makes me think about the fact that Charlie Easley is still still out. Another mm-hmm. great perimeter defender. And then I had mentioned him earlier, and this is not a great perimeter defender, but maybe one of the best three-point shooters in the league, Anderson Kopp, still out um, for Kansas City and probably is for a few weeks. But, you know, that's a couple of teams that have done some impressive things so far and have a couple players still slated to return that could make it even more interesting in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, heck, we've made it through everybody, I think. Sometimes I say that, and I really worry that we missed somebody, but I don't think we did. This one. Uh, anything to add, gentlemen, before we send it off into the to the podcast sphere? No, I'll, I'll just tell you guys this. Uh, I always love visiting, visiting with you guys about hoops, and, and I can't wait for the next weekend. I can't wait for every flipping weekend after that as we get deeper in the conference season, but – I do think this next weekend is going to tell us even more about where, where we're at and, and and telling us even more about where we're at might say we still know even less, but I can't wait to find out what we can find out about the, the games this weekend. Yeah. It's Dakota rivalry week, man. It's the best. It's so fun. We'll see. Uh, let's make the most of it. I know we're all really looking forward to it. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Um, some interesting matchups out there too, that, you know, Kansas city Royal Roberts matchup is a sneaky, good matchup next Saturday, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's all about the Dakotas this week in football and basketball. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up and we'll, uh, see everybody next time.